welcome to Slashport. I'm Prue, and as ever, I am joined by my naked this time partner in crime, MK. How are I'm you not naked. Me? I'm wearing a dress. She looks real naked, folks. That's because it's strapless, and she can only see me from the shoulders up, and I'm clearly sitting on my bed. Currently on my Skype window is some hilarious-ass Scooby-Doo porn, and now she's rubbing her titties into the camera of the MacBook. Y'all don't even know. Like, this is two weeks in a row that it's just been nerd girl porn. So first of all, MK has gotten herself a super charming Velma from Scooby-Doo haircut. Looks very good on you. Thank you. She has, like, very, very cute hipster glasses on, and she looks like she's not wearing any clothes. So really, if I were to live stream this onto the internet, I could charge some serious bank. Did I tell you that when I was in Scotland, my mom and I walked into a fish and chip shop, and some, like... I'm going to call them thug, but it's, like, thug by Scotland standards. Like, thug 12-year-olds were like, psst, 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 Velma, psst, psst, Velma. Were they hoodie thugs? Yes, they were. They looked so cute. I love, I love, I love British, UK, Scottish, Irish hoodie thugs. Like, every European thug that wears a hoodie and thinks that that's thug, it's so fucking precious. I know. I look at you and I just think that you should be on a college campus right now, kiddo. Or, like, around a campfire. Yeah, singing Kumbaya. <laughs> yeah. It's just a really, really different place over there. It's true. Everything's different. Up is down. Black is white. May is fucking freezing. Oh. It's, like, stupid hot here. Yeah. Well, today was the first day it wasn't stupid colds in London and forever, and it was maybe 65 degrees. Wow. At peak. At the peak moment during, like, noon, it was maybe 65, and then when I was coming home, it was, like, cold again. Yesterday, okay, so there's a thing that happens where uh, the weather here will give you a warning, being like, old people, children, and the ill should just not go outside today, because it's super hot, and you're gonna die. Like, hot and humid, (laughs) stay inside. They're like, just don't, don't do it. And every time I see that, I'm like, oh, that means me, because I will, I will die. I'm not, like, weak or ill or anything, but I just, I can't, my body is like, is that the sun? Dear God. You're almost like a server. Like, your your system shuts down after you hit, like, a certain heat. Like, everything yeah. goes wonky, the screen shuts down, and, like, you know when your computer used to, like, turn itself off? That's MK. Like, when she gets overheated. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. yesterday was one of those days where the government was like, don't go outside. It is, like, 29 <laughs> plus humidity, and there's a smog warning. And I was like, I have to be That's outside Celsius. all day. That's Celsius. Celsius, People. yes. I don't know. Fahrenheit. What that is in Fahrenheit. Uh, Hi. Totally had a conversation with Laslett where she and I uh, bonded over the fact that she's too old to have been taught Celsius in school and now <laughs> is too old to like learn Celsius. And like she and I are the only people in England under the age of 60, basically, who like don't know what the fuck 14 degrees means. Like in my head, do you know what 14 is? 14 is like me freezing my vagina off. Like, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> 14 is like t-shirt weather 14 is like mysterious magical fake land i love how we've talked for like seven minutes and we haven't talked at all about this week's topic uh we're having an adult conversation that's a good way for related yeah that's a lie that's our grown-up show as promised as we've talked about for a while we've touched on good wife before but with the end of what is this the third season we decided it's time for us to do a full-on like non-stop, full frontal Good Wife episode, because holy shit, holy shit. Oh my god. Yeah. Yes, exactly. MK just finished watching it through my extensive bullying. 
But was it not awesome, the season finale? It was so awesome, but it was also so stressful for me. It's so stressful. But all right, before we get to the season finale, let's talk about this season in whole. It began with a little saucy sexiness. Yeah. And you could see it going one direction, and it went like completely different, 18 different directions. So, like, overall, what did you feel about the season? I like, there was a lot of Kalinda this season. Yes. And, like, every every newspaper review or anything that I've seen about The Good Wife is like, yeah, The Good Wife, that show, it's great. You know what the best part is? Kalinda solves all the cases, is, like, the reason to watch this show other than everything else. But seriously, yeah. Kalinda. She's amazing. In, in case anyone isn't watching Good Wife, which, like, you should be watching The Good Wife. You should be watching The um, Good Wife. Clinda's the greatest, I would say, like, my favorite female character on television right now, tied with Alicia Floor. Yeah, yeah, I would keep them tied at the top. Because they have to, like, they're better together than they are apart. Absolutely, they're so amazing. I think that this season was really interesting because, unlike the previous seasons, it didn't really have, like, a neat uh, neat plot arc that it kind of closed throughout the course of the season. So, like, we start off the season... With, you know, I tricked a couple of you listeners into watching uh, Good Wife by talking about cunnilingus and wall sex in the first episode of season three. Hopefully y'all kept up with that because there was more sex stuff later in the season. (laughs) (laughs) Way to sell it. I know, right? Like, I'm so grown up and I write write people doing sex and stories all the time. Doing sex. Do they do the sex? People do sex all the time in my stories. Yeah, yeah, I know. I write my Lisa Frank notebook with my purple glitter pen. (laughs) That's how all my porn starts, folks. Think about that. No, it's a lie. I'm sorry. I wouldn't do that to you. Believe it or not, (laughs) we're grown-ups. But the point is that uh, we start off thinking thinking it's like a very small universe. It's Alicia Florick, third year. She's more comfortable at Gardner, um, Lockhart Gardner which is going through some really interesting changes because this is the only show on television that's actually addressing the fact that law firms are going out of business like crazy fast. A T2 law firm, so busy scrambling to make sure everything works. Eli Gold is now an in-house consultant, which is hilarious because anything that brings more Alan Cumming into my life is excellent. He's he's so good on this show. Every time he comes on screen, I'm like, all right, beautiful bitch, what are you going to do? I think I think part of the reason Eli is so fantastic as well is that he is I wouldn't I don't even want to say morally ambiguous because you like don't actually know what his morals are because we don't really know that because it's not part of his deal, right? Like he has a job to do. Whether or not he like agrees with you on any sort of deeper spiritual level is irrelevant. Um Are you playing with your cats? Maybe. Watson wanted to say hi. I feel like I'm getting a hive long distance. I'm developing it right now. He's so beautiful. Carry on. Speak. Developing it. You're such a furry. Like, it blows my mind that you are still fighting the fact that next next time you're in London and the furry parade comes, they're going to make you their queen and take you to, like, the Grand Poobah Yipping Hall. I don't want to yiff with anyone. No, like, I can't help you there, MK. Like... If this is your spiritual destiny, you have to go be with sexy foxes. Like, I will just keep going home. You know what's terrible? The fact that you know that this is truth, that I speak the truth, like a magical sitar? Yeah, but, like, if you were like, oh, look at this Steve Tony AU where there's sexy foxes, I'd be like, awesome. But you say, like, 
the sexy foxes want you. And I'm like, no. <laughs> just... <laughs> you have to explain to me how the first one is okay, because the first one is not okay. Okay. I don't know. I've clicked on a lot of terrible things in the last, like, four days. What really worries me is that you don't even, like, abuse substances. Like, had I come to you in, like, the depths of junior year of college, and I'd been like, Emily, I've been drinking since 2 a.m. last night, and I've decided that Sexy Fox, Steve, and Tony is the greatest. At least you could say it's because I haven't been sober for longer than 12 minutes in, like, a year and a half. You have no excuses. I, I don't, and I can't, I can't even apologize for it because I regret nothing. So the only thing I regret is being followed by the furry parade. Like guys, the last, the first time I was in London to visit you, greatest story of all time. Prue spends the whole time making fun of me for being like a secret furry, and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not a furry. Like, leave me alone. We get on this bus to go to the fangirl meetup, and marching alongside the double decker bus. Give you some context. It's not like we're like London is not exactly like Toronto. There's not a nerd district, but to emphasize how not a nerd district. It was. We were going to the Cheshire Cheese on Fleet Street, which meant that we were on a bus going into the city. So it's like banks are everywhere. Yeah, it was just like old people everywhere. It's like old people in banks and suits. And suddenly, from around the corner... Literally a parade of furries in costume following the bus. And Prue was like, Em, your they people, have, they found you. I was like, uh, I, I'm so glad I don't have the window seat. Like, can I cover my face? What can I do to hide? They're welcoming you as their queen, MK. Take it as the honor, as the sexy fox honor that it is. No, I'm, I'm just going to stay as alpha of Hoyden and 20-something, and I'm going to leave it at that. They've started referring to themselves as the wolf pack. Whoa, Marilyn started referring to us as the wolf pack, and we just adopted it. And yet you've adopted it. It was pretty means, accurate. I'm just going to let that stew for a while. I'm let your fingers get pruny in it. Maybe we should get back to the good one. I don't know if Eli Gold wants to be part of this conversation. You and your furry yiffing. Um, but no. So Eli is not an now an in-house consultant. Um, so much shit has happened this season. Will got kicked out of the firm. He's suspended for six months because... He did they, some shit. He did some shit like a decade ago. But he did do some shit, and he recognizes that he like, did that, taking his six months off from the law. Uh, Whoa. With, but not with only, like, days. he could have been, like, barred from law forever. But exactly. Diane lies and says that he did this amazing thing that actually she did, and that's the yeah. reason that they're, like, six months suspension. And he's like, because I don't deserve Diana, this. Diane Lockhart and Will Gardner are, like, the major OTP of this series, right? Like, they must stay together, and, like, their law firm, Mommy and Daddy Love, must be together forever. Yeah, we're not talking about shipping them. We're talking about they must be partners at this law firm, yes. like, name partners forever. Because um, this, this show has an interesting dichotomy in terms of their view of the ethics and morals of the law, where Will is very much, like, the gray zone, right? Like he'll fight his, he'll fight the good fight for all of his clients. He'll serve them to the greatest ability of himself. But he also has among his clients, like the biggest meth dealer in the continuous United States. Right. And it doesn't bother him the way that it should. And the way that you think it would, if like, if I had a client and I knew that he was like a meth dealer, I would be very, I'd be like, I don't really want this guy client roster 
if for no other reason, like, what if I piss him off and he decides to, like, break my kneecaps and burn down my house? Like, Will Gardner doesn't have a problem with that. Whereas Diane Lockhart is the idealistic half of this group. Like, she keeps bringing them cases that, like, they won't win any money on, but they're very important for civil rights and, like, individual liberties and other things like that. She's brilliant and fearless and so smart. And I think the intelligent heart of that law firm Whereas Will is the sort of money generating, like, I don't really care where it's coming from, but someone needs to buy these flowers for our fucking law firm. And if it takes meth dealer money, I'll do it. And it's a good combo because they need each other to balance each other out. Totally. Without Diane, Will would probably become kind of evil. And without Will, Diane would not have a law firm. No, it's true. They're absolutely, they, and I think the greatest thing about this is that um, at no point do they stop backing one another up. No. They always Stop. are, like, fully in each other's corners. Yeah, like, even when they're super pissed at each other, which they have been in the past, they know that they're better when they're together. Yeah. Which is amazing. Like, a lot of the time you have this bullshit drama in yeah. TV shows, and in The Good Wife, they're like, no, we disagree on a lot of things, but what we agree on is this law firm works with the two of us, and so we have to keep that up. Exactly. And I think part of the reason that the show has such charm is that it doesn't generate those stupid artificial divides, right? Because there's genuine drama. Yeah. Part. Like, half the reason season three was really emotionally torturous for all of us is because, like, you know, people look at the show and you could, like, talk about the Alicia Will affair as the major emotional storyline for season three. I would argue that that was secondary at best. The major emotional through line was Alicia Kalinda and how at the oh my end God. of season two, their like friendship was in t- tatters. Like they didn't want to be near each other. They didn't work together at the beginning of season three. It was so awkward because they don't really have any other friends other than each other. They don't like other people. Um, and very slowly throughout the season, they slowly like, their way back to each other it's wonderful and it's painful and awkward and like perfect it is exactly how it should be like when they're at the bar and alicia sees kalinda and is like oh god like you'd see her make the decision of do i pretend i didn't see her or do i pull out a chair for her and when she pulls it out it's hella awkward but they need to move the fuck on it's true. And um, I think the really great thing is that if you follow... So basically, in case you guys don't know, what happens at the end of season two is that Alicia, whose entire deal is that her husband, with whom she's separated from, uh, slept with hookers and humiliated her, destroyed, like, broke their family apart. Among the people that he slept with who weren't her was Kalinda, who didn't really care at that point, but she was sleeping with a married man and didn't know Alicia at that point. But then Alicia came to work at Lockhart Gardner, which is also Kalinda's place of employment, and they became best friends. And there was always that underlying tension with Kalinda, and you never really knew what it was, but you realize that what it was is her beginning to feel awful guilt because she's met this wonderful woman who is, like, her best friend now, And she definitely fucked her husband a long time ago. Not just that, but remember, I think it's like season one. Alicia is thinking about giving Peter a chance again. And she's like, you need to tell me everything and you need to promise me that, like, did you only sleep with the one hooker? Like, was it only the hooker and no one else and you didn't do any of these other things? And he's like, I swear to you. Yeah, just lay it all out on the table. Yeah. And he's like, I promise, I swear, whatever. And the whole, like, I think she tells Kalinda that. And Kalinda knows. 
That's not true. She doesn't, yeah, and she doesn't correct it. She doesn't say, like, uh, by the way. By the way, he slept with me, and I'm not a hooker. Yeah, yeah. Although she does train some intensely hot sexual favors get shit done. So does the law. <laughs> so does the law. But yeah, there's, uh, so Alicia Kalinda's super awkward beginning half of the season. There's a great, great turning point in the middle of the season where Alicia's daughter goes missing or they can't find her. Oh my God. During a really stressful case where there's actually some potential danger there. Like some guy has just gotten out of prison. He's really angry. His lawyers, et cetera, et cetera. And she's freaking out. No one can find her. And Kalinda finds Alicia's daughter, Grace, and returns her home without ever disclosing that it was her who did it. And it's just the most heartbreaking and wonderful thing ever. And when Alicia finds out, she's like, why wouldn't you tell me? Like, you brought my daughter home. Like, <laughs> the whole district's attorney's office is, like, searching for this kid. And Kalinda is like, found her. Left her on your doorstep. Exactly. Because Kalinda is, like, the greatest. Kalinda's like, you know what? Kalinda's sort of like a slightly feral cat. Like, yeah. you really can't. Like, it's dangerous to pet her. Like, she might bite your face off. But, like, if she loves you, she will bring you, like, dead things and offerings of your missing children. I think that is exactly why Carrie is so attracted to her. Carrie is so attracted to her. He's like, I don't want to be. But I want to, like, win her affection. I think she might hurt me a little, and I'm interested in that. Of course he is. Every time, like, when Carrie walks into Alicia's office in the last episode of this season, I was just like, oh, Carrie... She could just take you home tonight. It would be wonderful. I was so happy. So Carrie, who left the who left the firm to go work for the district attorney's office, and I feel like that was a, actually a good move for him because it was less morally ambiguous yeah. than his old job. And like we got, got these clues in the very first season that Carrie is not like he's very goal oriented and he's very achievement oriented, but that I think that he's much more of a Lockhart at down in the base of him because he worked for like the innocence project and things like that you don't really do things like that unless you genuinely believe it it's like hard work and i don't think carrie is one of those assholes who just wants to pad his resume either i mean maybe i like him too much but he's he's quite lovely um and i'm so glad that he's back at lockhart gardner though because the district attorney's office even though it started off good went really bad and he's home and he's safe and Alicia and Kalinda will chew the faces off of anybody who hurts him, and it's wonderful. Yeah, it's not just, it's like, when he was in the district attorney's office, you would see that, like, the work he was doing was really interesting. And yeah. it looked great on a resume. But everyone in that office was kind of an asshole. And super mean to him. <laughs> super mean to them. Like, he was a lot of people's boss there, and they would be like, well, fuck you. And he would just be like, "Exactly. I, why don't you like me? And I was like, don't, don't go back to Lockhart. Carrie, we love you. Everyone there loves you. Everyone there loves you. Kalinda and, you know, Alicia wants to, like, be your friend. Yeah. You guys can move on. Oh, I did want to ask you about that. So, you know how there was that thing where he was telling Alicia that he might come back, but don't tell anyone that he was interviewing? Yes. But that leaks anyway that he was. Do you think that he thinks Alicia leaked that? I don't know. I, that's really ambiguous. He plays it very ambiguously, and I wonder if that's a thing, because I so want them to be partners and friends, because I think Alicia and Carrie are a really good duo when they work together. Oh my god, they're an amazing duo. I feel like we might be safe just because when Peter asks him about it, he says, 
someone saw you at Lockhart Gardner today. Is there something you want to tell me? That's true. It's not like I heard it's someone saw you. Okay. I'm going to cling to that and cling to it tightly. Um, what other characters do we need to go through? Peter. Before we... Oh, Peter. Where do you even begin with Peter? So Peter is doing pretty well in the state's attorney's office, you know, like doing his thing. Yeah. Um, and still trying to become, what is he running for or about to run for? He wants, so the, the Peter's major character arc this season is kind of ambitions to run for governor. But I think for the first time in his life, his ambitions to run for governor are very secondary, are becoming secondary to his wanting to have his family intact again. And they're sort of linked hand in hand because everyone agrees that unless Peter gets his shit together at home, unless Alicia is with him on the gubernatorial race, he's not going to win. Like, no one's going to like this guy unless his wife is, like, been reformed. Like, I still love him. Like, ours is a story that is, like, the great Clinton story, only, like, less gross and sad. Um, you can do yeah. better, Hillary. Sorry. She can't. Uh, she does do better. Like, I I just have to take it aside and say that, like, Hillary Clinton is, like, my co-pilot. I love that woman with, like, every fiber of my being. She's, like, a and hero I'm- to all women everywhere. Exactly. And I love the fucking fact that, like, when people talk about, like, the Clintons now, your first thought is of Hillary as the Secretary of State, not, like, Bill being somewhere doing some shit. I still love Bill Clinton. Like, he was the president of my childhood. But, like, Hillary, like, lighter, waving my hand. Like, love that bitch. Uh, anyways, going back going back to point. So, like, he's trying to decide whether or not he's going to run for governor. And it really depends on whether or not Alicia wants to, like, divorce him. And... He can't, like, he's trapped. He can't really make a decision, which means that Eli is trapped, and he can't really make a decision either. Um, Oh, my God. When Eli goes to visit the mom in the hospital... That was (coughs) off. Oh, my God. So he walks in, and she's, like, ill, I forget. I'll give you some background. Peter's mom, Jackie, is, like, the worst human being alive. Oh, God. She's a terrible person. She's, like, a horrible, horrible, manipulative, evil person who thinks that it's Alicia's fault that their marriage is falling apart, which is, which should give you some context. Like, your son slept with hookers and got arrested. And um, possibly did drugs. And possibly did, well, I think that that was disproven. Mm. But he definitely banged hoes, got arrested for it, and disgraced himself and, like, ruined their entire family. Like, and went to prison. fault that that marriage fell apart. And she's not okay with the fact that her grandson is, like, possibly dating a visible ethnic minority. Oh my god, that's right! She hates the fact that Zach is dating a black girl. Yeah, she's like, oh, black girl. Everyone else is like, yeah, that girl's really cool. Grandma is like, "Mm mm-mm, she's black. It's hilarious. Like, the running hilarious joke that the Flora kids went black and never went back is super hilarious. Oh, they're the best! It's so funny. The fact that they, like, openly called that shit out on the show, and they were like, the Florida kids just love black people, <laughs> is one of the greatest parts of that scene. Uh, I, like, that, the son, is probably my favorite actual character on the show. Zach is a wonderful character. Every time he, like, opens his mouth, I'm like, what beautiful thing are you gonna say? Just, just <laughs> say it. I'm so excited. What do you have for me today? But go back to 
Jackie and how evil she is. So Eli goes to Jackie in the hospital. She's, like, all ill and, like, back against the hospital bed, like, leaning back on the pillows watching black and white television. And she looks so frail. And he's like, fucking apologize to Alicia or Peter will never win the governorship. And she's like, I don't want to. And he's like, do it for your son. And when she does, it's so fake. And Alicia's like, yeah, I know you don't actually mean that. So here are all the things that you're going to have to do. And then I still don't forgive you, but, you know, we can move on a little bit. Yeah, because Jackie is the worst human being alive. Uh, just, just the worst. Especially when you find out that she took money from the kids' trust funds to steal the house from Alicia. Yes. It is the worst. She is the worst. She's such a horrible human being. And I think the really interesting part about her is that she was also the crux at which I started to really forgive Peter, not forgive Peter, but like him against my will. Like, Chris Noth is a talented actor. Like, he's so very, very good on this show. Because he plays this with perfect moral ambiguity in the sense that he is a guy who is a shitty human being and has done these awful things. And you come into it thinking that he's, like, the worst person ever. So we're, like, in Camp Alicia and it's only as the series has gone on as he makes it worse and worse for you because you realize that, like, he's a really loving father. Like, he was a great dad to his kids, and he has this streak of courage and, like, deep protective love over his family that he, like, incidentally forgot when he was boning hookers or something like that. And he keeps winning you over by doing these things, including but not limited to the fact smacking his mother and her horrible behavior down oh my god that was a great scene for me whenever he Uh, really accomplishes something in his job it's always like a really good thing that he's doing and you're like oh i might have voted for you like yeah stop making me like you like it makes it so much harder to deal with this like because i don't want her to get back with peter at all like i don't think that that's good for her I don't think that that's fair, but like at the same time, what if he's really reformed? What if he's learned his lesson and he's clearly got these like good roots down in him and they've already got two kids. And that's the trap. She should never go back to him. Never. You it have to stand trap. strong. It is a trap. But I, I think that brings us very well to this season finale. Oh, oh, just, okay. So Alicia's standing on the doormat and when they do the shot down, where you just see her feet shifting on the welcome mat. Mm-hmm. And then she looks back and sees, like, Peter and the kids through the window, and he's, like, serving them pizza, and they're all at, like, their old dining table in their old house. Mm-hmm. And she kind of, like, leans forward a little, like, like, she wants to step in there, but it's not a good idea. No, because I think that, I think in a weird way this is one of those... I I tried to put myself in her position, right? And I obviously can't ever truly understand how she would feel. But I feel like had this moment come, like, two years ago, she would have gladly gone back into the house, right? Yeah. Because that was her identity. She was Mrs. Alicia Florick, Peter Florick's wife, and the mother of Grace and Zach. And this is her house. And this normalcy and this goodness is what she's wanted. But in the last three years, she's had to establish herself and, like, have her own life, you know, and do things on her own and stuff like that. And once you start, it's very hard to seed that territory back. So I wouldn't even... Sorry, it's just that, like... Okay, earlier in the episode, when they are, uh, like, interviewing her as a witness, 
Yes. You expect her, like, she's ready to answer questions about Will. She's ready to answer, like, questions about all sorts of things. But the second that they ask her questions about herself and then immediately transition into, like, well, you're Peter Florg's husband, this look on her face is like, why would that be relevant? Yeah. Like, aren't you here to interview me as a lawyer who works with Will Gardner? Yes. Like, at the in season one, she's like, yeah, everybody just wants my relationship with Peter. Like, oh, Peter's so important. And by this time, like, that's irrelevant to her and to most of the people in the firm. Right, because she already had, like, it's what got her in the door, but it's not what's kept her at the firm. No. Like, she's justified her own value many times over. I feel like if she went back to Peter, it would be backsliding, right? Like, it would be, again, more about Peter and her relationship to Peter that would be important rather than her skill as a lawyer. Yeah. Because I I think that you sit there and, like, even if she did go back to Peter, like, how would that work? Because she wouldn't be able, like, I don't think Alicia wants to give up her job. Like, she doesn't want to be the governor's wife. She wants to be Alicia Florig, who happens to be married to the governor, if that's what she actually does. And I don't know whether or not there's space for that in the sort of landscape of the life that Peter would have if he won the governorship. And I I start thinking about all of these dumb, like, inconsequential now, but would-be-crazy at the time things, like... You know, Peter would want his mother to babysit the kids. And Alicia's like, that woman has to stay away from them. Like, stay the fuck away. Yeah. She's racist. And a horrible person. Manipulative, evil person that, like, upsets Grace and gives her, like, eating disorder issues. Like, is racist against Zach's girlfriend. Like, oh my, do you remember the Seder? The Passover dinner? Oh my god. Uh, and not just, oh, God, she, like, doesn't understand what Jewish people are, really. She's like, do Jewish people believe in God? And Eli's like, yes. Yes, every Jewish person believes in God. No, she doesn't even say, do Jewish people believe in God? She's like, do Jews believe in God? And the look on his face Something is just like, like, ugh. This was also, like, the greatest Seder ever because Alicia Hilarious, gay physics professor brother was there. And it devolved into the most terrible-ass conversation. <laughs> I think the specific term was, I wish those I wish those people would just keep it in their pants. And Owen, the brother, just, like, incapable of, like, not saying something snotty in response to that. <laughs> greatest, greatest Seder ever. I can't, like, whenever the writers decide that, you know what we're going to do? We're going to put Alicia's brother... And her mother-in-law on the same couch yeah. drinking a bottle. I'm like, why? So great. Because the last time that happened, Alicia got home and Jackie was hammered and wearing, like, a hat from Africa. Okay? Like, that is why that needs to happen. No. it's so, Owen and Jackie are, like, polar opposites where Owen is good for Alicia because he gets her stoned and encourages her to fuck Will Gardner. And Jackie steals her children's money and steals Alicia's house from her. They're hilarious together. They are. And it's like, it's terrifying to me. I'm like, no, that's, that's a dangerous chemical reaction. You don't know what the fuck's about to happen. Like shit is going down on your couch. So true. So true. You're going to come home and he's going to be like educating her about gay black people, like who are Jewish. (laughs) Good wife. I know, it's such a good show. Dude, okay, we need to talk about this little Kalinda thing, too. Oh my god. Okay, so one, Kalinda's married. Kalinda's married? To, like, a dangerous psychopath who she should 
I, I haven't seen him. I don't know anything about him. I don't know why she, like, runs in fear of him. But my gut instinct is when he opens that door, shoot him in the face. Yes. So to give you guys some context for this, in case you're listening to this entire podcast despite not watching The Good Wife, so I don't really know what you've been doing for, like, the past 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't really been contextualizing this stuff very well. Uh, Kalinda is currently embroiled in a tax case. And as part of that, Alicia starts making calls, which unfortunately, like, alerts some people to, in Kalinda's past. In Canada. Her, her, in Canada. Um, of her current whereabouts. Now, we don't know anything about her past other than we know that she is an ex-husband or maybe a current husband. And he sounds like a dangerous motherfucker. Like, that guy only had, like, three lines of dialogue on the phone, but he sounded terrifying. Super terrifying. I so was like... Scary. And Get anyone that Kalinda is like, that person is dangerous, I trust her judgment. Yeah, because she's like, Lamont Bishop, I can handle that, like, meth dealer. No problem. Yeah. But, but my husband? Run. Get the fuck out of town. Run. Like, run like your ass is on fire. But it also leads to the most badass sequence I have ever seen in my life, where Kalinda goes to the Home Depot and buys a fucking sledgehammer, right? And then she pulls some sunglasses out of her boobs where she keeps everything because Kalinda's amazing. Kalinda like, doesn't have time for pockets. Home. It's great. Who, who has time for pockets? Why would you even need pockets when you have boobs? Goes home, knocks a fucking hole in her wall, and, like, starts pulling shit out of the hole in the wall, and it's, like, a duffel bag, unmarked hundreds, a gun, crazy-ass shit, and you're just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, how could you be even more badass than we already thought you were? And she genuinely stops and decides not to leave, I think, because she doesn't want to leave Alicia. Yeah, when Alicia is like, he knows my name, who is he? Like, yeah. that's the moment that Clint is like, I can't leave Alicia to the mercies of this horrible person. Yeah. And the like, last shot is Kalinda parking an armchair in front of her door, pulling out a gun, and just waiting. Yes, because she is the greatest human being alive. She's so badass. She should be in the Avengers. She, oh my god, can you just imagine her in Black Widow? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, Besties. They Clint. <laughs> Poor Clint. He would die. He would die. I'm sure he deserved it. Crushed between their thighs. Uh, he, he'd be... Who do you... Like, what do you think her deal is? Like, because I, I struggle to imagine... I, I struggle to imagine, like, what kind of backstory she had. And, like, whether she was always this level of badass or whatever happened to her shaped her into this. Yeah, I can't tell. Because we know that her name isn't actually Kalinda. Like, we know a bunch of stuff, but... Yeah. Everything we learn about her just raises, like, 800 more questions. Yeah, exactly. And I have to say, anytime that someone is, like, they have a dangerous past in Canada, all I can think about is the episode of Due South where mobsters from Canada are chasing Fraser Ray and a uh, habitual liar across the border. <laughs> and it's so beautiful. <laughs> you should watch that episode. It's great. I bet you she ran away from, like her horrible, evil husband who worked in, like, the Alberta oil sands or something. Ugh, to be fair, those oil sands are evil. Okay, so before movies start playing here, we have to watch a bunch of ads, just like you do in other countries. However, one of the ads that has started playing at most of the movie theaters here is an ad about how wonderful the oil sands are and how it's, like, a triumph of Canadian engineering and shit. And literally every time I have gone to the movies recently, which was a couple times, because obviously you have to see the Avengers more than once, everyone in the theater started booing. <laughs> like, the entire theater was like, fuck you, Royal Sands! 
We don't need your money. It was beautiful. The end. Yes, you do need their money, but okay. Well, Alberta might, but not Ontario. Well, Alberta. <laughs> Everyone knows Toronto's the center of the universe, Prue. Yeah, so true. So, so none of the cities that I've lived in would disagree with that. None. None. Certainly not New York. <laughs> certainly not New York. Certainly not London. <laughs> no. What oh, queen? Exactly. All of us just sit there and wish that we were as badass as Toronto. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Oh, Emily, such a townie. Shut Um, up. So I think the the most interesting question going into season four of the show is sort of, do we think, what what do you think the major plot arcs of season four are going to be? Because presumably Will will be back at Lockhart Gardner by then. Do you think Peter's going to run for governor? I think halfway through the season, he's going to start running for governor. Do you think Alicia will be by his side? Mm, I don't know. See, I don't know. I kind of, like, part of me is like, fuck no. And part of me is like, it's the good wife. I can't place any money on anything. Who the fuck knows? Exactly. And the other thing, the other the other wrench that they threw into it is that Matthew Perry is now playing, like, the most evil human <gasps> being alive. He's and the- so good as evil. So good as evil. And it's bizarre. I'm like, Chandler, what are you doing? I know, like, Chandler, lay off the yes. whiskey. Yeah, stop being bad. Stop lying about Alicia. So if if Peter doesn't run, it's going to be this asshole, his governor. Yeah, yeah. And he hates them because yeah. Alicia wanted to, like, tell the truth and save a man's life. And he was like, um, I would rather just finish up today really fast. So we're just going to, yeah, we're just going to arrest some people. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to abuse the system here is what we're going to do. So... Okay, uh, what do we think is going to happen with Kalinda? Like, what the fuck? I think that she's finally going to have to face her husband, and I don't know the details, but you better believe that that's, like, a lawsuit waiting to happen, but with, like, someone else is going to have to be the PI on this thing, right? Because Kalinda can't investigate her own case. Yeah, but I think the thing that makes me really curious about this situation, right, is because Kalinda is a very smart person, and although she has a tendency to cut and run... I'm curious to know why she hasn't dealt with it until now. Because I think she's very good at sort of, like, erasing her connections with people. But she hasn't successfully done it in this case. I feel like they're still married. Like, I don't think that they're separated. They probably are, yeah. I think she, like, fled a super abusive relationship with someone incredibly dangerous. And by living on the run, became, like, a super badass. But she's still... Like, the reason that she has any of these skills is because she's so terrified of this man. And wow. so it's going to be incredibly difficult, and she's just going to be, like, freaking out and, you know, not believing that she is so badass. Do you want to know the craziest thing about this situation? I completely believe your summation of that. But in classic good wife contravention of every paradigm of television, right? Yeah. Like, so Kalinda, who is, like, the perpetual badass and, like, saves everybody and solves every crime like I genuinely believe that like in this case she needs the help of somebody and I don't think it's like I don't think it's Will I don't think it's Carrie I think it's Peter oh I think it's Alicia I think that she needs to tell Alicia yeah yeah she probably does I just think it would be more interesting if she had to go to Peter because like that would make more tension between her and Alicia wasn't that the beginning of that? Okay, so hailing back to season two when all of this came out, the whole deal about how 
Kalinda got her name changed and her identity sort of erased. She did. She went to Peter. She went to Peter, and that's why she fucked him, because he did her a favor. Yes. So I don't think he would go to her again. No, you're right. You're right. She would go to him again. She's going to have to go to Alicia. She's going to have to go to Alicia. And even though, like, Alicia is not really, like, she doesn't really have guns and weapons at her disposal, that scene in the IRS office where she, like, ripped those guys a new asshole because they were bullying Kalinda and generally being jerks. And they had that webcam on. Yes. Was the greatest. Yeah. And, like, the way that Kalinda was, like, well played, lady, when she, like, tore them in. Oh, so good. Yeah. Oh. They're so much better together. Like, when Kalinda and Alicia team up, shit gets done. Yes. One day, what needs to happen, like, this is my dream, right, for the eventual, like, long, far away of the good wife. Because I think that, like, I think that in a strange way, because Alicia's gone back to work with her kids already as teenagers, like, maybe this is just, like, me and my benignly neglected childhood, where, like, I think the benignly neglecting children is probably for the best. Um, people who know me probably disagree. But, um, like, I think they're fine. I think her kids are fine. They've been, they've established themselves as good, very smart, very strong, interesting kids in their own right. They don't really need her hovering over their shoulders anymore. I think that she can, like, pursue her career. And, like, my favorite, like, dream ending for the series is that Lockhart Gardner stays Lockhart Gardner, but that Alicia becomes an equity partner, and so does Carrie, and Kalinda, like, runs the investigative department. The three of them just, like, bro out and are, like, awesome constantly. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not the greatest. I would watch that show, even if nothing except for law happened. <laughs> nothing except for law. That just shows you, like, why we're watching The Good Wife, right? Like, neither you nor I care about the law. We're like, ugh, another oh. law show. Law? What's law? God, lawyers? The, funny, the funniest thing being that you, like, sprung fully formed from the loins of lawyers. Yes. And I almost did pre-law and went to law school. And yet both so. of us are like, ugh, the law. Law. I did tell you how I had, like, a brief mental breakdown, like, a year into my current job and, like, considered taking the LSAT. I remember. I know. I read, uh law school confidential cover to cover in the Penn library while I was visiting Illa Liberté before. And I was like, holy shit, never going to do this. Can't do this to myself. Never again. Don't ever go to law school. It's bad. I recommend anyone who is considering it or who is watching like good wife and thinking maybe this isn't so bad to check it out. All right. So this week we're actually going to skip Rex because Believe it or not, Good Wife is a fandom that neither of us actually read fanfic for. Yeah. It's just, it's one of those shows that we just, like, sit there and, like, claw at our faces while we watch it. And then, like, we call each other and have feelings, but, like, have no desire to actually read fanfic. So that's either a sign that we're, I don't know, I think that's just a sign that the show is so fulfilling. It is, because usually I want fanfiction to, like, fill in holes. The Good Wife doesn't really have holes that I need filled. <laughs> so many jokes. Yeah, I know. All oh. holes. <laughs> uh... So, instead, let's do a listener question. Yes. Um, and I think this is the only one I ha- we have, which is, uh, Daisy has said, uh, Hey, are you ladies planning to do an ep on the Alpha Omega trope? Not specifically in terms of where things, but in general. I've seen a ton of them lately, especially in first class, and I'm wondering how the panel feels about the feels. Um, I'm 
actually more, I'm more intellectually curious as to how the Alpha Omega trope started. I have a feeling that it's tied very, very closely with nodding because you didn't really see that prior to, like, the, the two of them sort of, like, emerged concurrently in the perv sphere, like, of the <laughs> internet, aka, like, this is my secret tracked tags on Pinboard. Um, they sort of, like, emerged concurrently as far as my notice goes. Uh, I'm, I, I think that, like, I treat the Alpha Omega trope the same way that I treat almost any trope in that, like, I can be persuaded. Like, I'm not gonna, I don't intentionally necessarily seek it out, but if it's a good story and it's done well, I think it can be a brilliant, very fascinating trope. Actually, I, as I say that, like, I don't really have any recommendations for Good Wife, I did recently recommend a Sherlock story that was Alpha Omega trope. And it's Gordian by Fresny. Um, and trope, and, like, the recommendation on Kinboard starts with the words, holy, no- holy nodding Batman. So, like, you already know where this is going. But um, it, it, took a, it took a concept that could have been, like, plot with plot, which I think a lot of Alpha Omega trope is, which is not a bad thing. Um, and it made it, like, a mesmerizingly interesting universe using those rules. So I think that Alpha Megatrope can be awesome in the right hands. And um, I, I will toss you the link to that on the show page, too. Okay, I'm going to, this is going to be really weird. Like, I don't think they're going to be expecting this, but I really don't like Alpha Omega stories. I'm like the person on the show who's like deeply into Teen Wolf fandom. And I love that Derek is the Alpha. Like, I love that. But I'm like, oh, Omega. No, it just, like, doesn't do anything for me, and I don't, like, I don't, I'm not getting it somehow. What do you think the Omega that you don't get? Or is, because you seem to like the Alpha part. The what Alpha is the part Omega of- part that you don't get? Oh, I don't know if it's, like, the self-lubricating ass or what, but, like. I don't, okay, I think that that's, like, varies between authors. Not every Omega trope has, like, self-lubrication. Every Alpha also, Omega story. I recommend does. Every single one of the ones that I've read has involved a self-lubricating ass and, like, like a lot of, I don't know, I feel like there's, like, all of this world building behind it that I'm just not interested in. I think that it's not actually that surprising that you don't like it. Because here's the deal. You like a very specific, incredibly narrow range when it comes to smile. Yes. When it comes down to it, you like like every fandom you're in, you have a designated top character and a designated bottom character. You don't like to read them reversed. You like certain pattern and you like a certain power dynamic. If there is a power dynamic between the two characters, yes. And like, I just don't think that this kind of like lights your rocket. Yeah, that's basically what it is. Um, but because you've had a wreck, I'm going to throw in a wreck that is completely unrelated to everything that we've talked about today. But it was so good, I just. I have to tell you guys. It's called Disambiguation by Idol. And it's a Teen Wolf story, but it's a Eureka AU. So it's set in Eureka. And it's kind of amazing. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Tell me more. I love Eureka AUs because the show sucks so bad, but the concept is so good. The concept is brilliant. Okay, so imagine that, like, all of the people from Teen Wolf are in Eureka, which is completely believable because you have a good mix of, like, smart and fail. Which is exactly, like, that's what you need in Eureka. Let's be serious. Um, and the no, point is... It is in Eureka, but it doesn't exist. <laughs> it doesn't exist. Uh, so Derek is, like, a, like a robot specialist, 
and he has been building these animatronic I, wolves. He's a robot specialist. He hates feelings. I love it. Yeah, it's great. He's like, I'm going to build animatronic wolves, and they're going to be super advanced, and we'll use them for, like, search and rescue and stuff. Uh, and Styles is, like, working on this, I don't know, whatever, this project with, like, Lydia and a bunch of other people who are smart. Except that, like, Derek has built, like, 12 of these wolf robots, and one of them just, like, keeps sitting on Styles all the time. Like, he'll be, like, trying to do work, and the wolf just, like, wolf robot in the room, and everyone's like, oh, again? And he's like, the fuck is with this wolf? And Derek is always furious. He's like, why do you keep kidnapping my wolf robot? Like, that's the alpha. And he's like, I'm not kidnapping it, dude. Like, I wake up, and it's in my bedroom, like, creepily watching me sleep. Uh... Yeah, I it's, may actually have to read this story. It's hilarious, and there are no werewolves in it. Like, there is just, like, hilarious <laughs> wolf robot backstory. And, like, like a classic Eureka disaster happens. Like, it's actually really good. Um, in case you guys haven't figured it out yet, Slash Reporters, you can get me to read almost anything if you use the keyword robot. <laughs> as long as no one is fucking the robot, I am all about that story. Nobody fucks it's robots. Wolf robot fucking, right? No. The, the robots in this are, like, just robots that are animal-like, and it's hilarious. You're awesome. gonna like it. I, I'm excited about because Eureka is the greatest show that ever failed horribly. Like, the first season of Eureka is some of the greatest TV that sci-fi ever made. Yes. Such a charming, wonderful show. And then, like, when it hit the down spiral, oh my god, it hit the down spiral at a thousand miles per hour and skidded into the black tar pits of ass. Like, yes. That show got so bad. And then it got slightly better, and then it sunk even lower, even faster, even harder. Like, it went to shit. So, oh, uh, Slash Reporters, here's a fair warning regarding MK's viewing habits. <laughs> MK has a long history of tricking people into fandoms that go horribly wrong. And then, once everyone, like, has finally made an emotional clean break from them, tricking them back into that fandom by claiming that it's going better and then like bailing out while like I'm left in the dredges of like the foxhole of house waiting for the series finale to come so I can cry alone in my bedroom in London. Not that this has happened to me multiple times or anything or whatever or that I'm sure about it. Listen, here's the thing. It's really hard for me to remember that other people can't just be like, and I'm done and like walk away. Yeah, some people don't have Asperger's mode, Em. Yeah, um, and it's hard for me to remember that, and so I just assume that, like, you'll be able to watch two amazing episodes and then leave. You know, like, no, the one-night stand. Like no, because I will watch those two amazing episodes, and then I will think, maybe it's changed. Maybe he's different now. Maybe everything will be okay. Maybe this time House won't be so terrible. Maybe this time they'll focus more on making episodes about Sarah and the cool people in Eureka. No. No. no always a lie. Yeah. I, uh, you know what, if we were talking about, like, our fanish relationships, the way that Prue engages with television is the way that a girl keeps going back to an abusive boyfriend, and the way that I engage with television shows is I'm like, let's fuck for a while, and then never speak to each other again. Maybe we'll have, like, another night while we're drunk in the future, and then never again. Like, just, let's not talk about it. Obviously, you could extend this awful metaphor out and say that, like, I keep trying to make that relationship work for the children, a.k.a. the whips. <laughs> oh, the whips. I'm like, nope, those whips are dead. See, you never. The whips are barely alive, like, when you abandoned them. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's why I'm not posting things now unless I finish them. Which is why I haven't posted anything in years. Shut up. You don't know that for sure? You don't know my shit? I've written one-shots. When was the last time you wrote a one-shot? Um, it was in fandom. Yeah, yeah, it was in house fandom, but you loved it. I did. I probably said some nice shit about it. You know what the last time you wrote was? When I was in Toronto, standing there over your shoulder telling you not to suck. It's just a lot easier to write when you're here pressuring me. Lisa's says worrying things about you. We have a bad relationship. Do we have a very bad relationship? We have to end this. We, we have to end. Definitely have to end this. But in conclusion, in case you listen to this completely disjointed podcast <laughs> and thought, "Wow, these chicks just talked about ladies for a solid forty-five minutes." Yeah, that's why you should watch The Good Wife. You should watch The Good Wife because it is great television. And you know what? You should give the opening pitch on that because. I loved it from episode one, but it took you a while to start it did. feeling effect for it. And I think people are curious about it because at least one person tweeted us and said that they tried watching the show and it didn't really work for them. I, I, about what episodes should they sort of like jump in on or like how much, how much time should they stick with it before they give up? I think we've talked about this before, but I'm going to bring it back. I was visiting Prue in London at Christmas because, like many Doctor Who fans, I assumed that aliens would be invading. And It's a fair assumption. Yeah. It's London at Christmas. Like, come on. So she said that she would watch, I believe, the Doctor Who Christmas special if I agreed to watch an episode of The Good Wife. And I was like, fine, but because I'm greedy, you have to watch the Doctor Who Christmas special first. And you agreed. Yes. And you did not enjoy it. Because you're There's terrible. literally no one who knows me in real life who thinks that I would enjoy Doctor Who. But it was worth a shot. I had to give it a shot. Anyways, so was, we watched that, and I was like, oh, it's such a good episode. It was amazing. And she was just like, mm, let's put on The Good Wife now. And I was like, oh, here goes the rest of the evening, right? Like, this is going to be torturous, and we're going to be mad at each other, and we're going to, like, go to bed silent, and it's going to be awkward. No. Uh, like, 30 minutes later, I was like, mm. I like this a lot. Why do I like it? This is too close to home. Like, it's... No. My family does shit like this. Like, no, but really good television. Yeah. And we wound up watching, I think, eight episodes of The Good Wife that night. Yeah. It was, like, December 28th. I, you know, maybe not the time to be doing that. You might have had work the next morning. I don't know anymore. Because I was so tired the next day. I slept forever. It didn't matter, because we had The Good Wife. That's true. But the important thing is, we got to episode 14 eventually. Season 1, episode 14, which is called Hi. The greatest episode. The greatest episode. The episode that spawned a thousand ships that involved the word carry. <laughs> okay, like, so good. What happens is, they have to go to trial. Except that uh, Carrie has the weekend off, and I believe Alicia has the weekend off. Like, like a bunch of people have the weekend off. And knowing that he has the weekend off, Carrie gets a girl who he's, like, seeing, whatever, and they do shrooms and start having sex. And they are high out of their minds when the call comes in that Carrie needs to be at work for the entire weekend, possibly for, like, the next seven days straight minimum. And he is tripping balls this entire episode. Visibly, like, there's no hiding it. Like, just tripping out of his mind. 
And it's amazing. And Alicia is trying to like cover for him, despite the fact that they are competing for the same job. She's like, don't let anyone find out that Carrie is tripping balls. Of course, Will notices and is like, Carrie is clearly tripping balls. (laughs) The greatest part is that Will seems to think it's funny. Yeah, Will is like, this is the best thing that Carrie has ever done. Because Will doesn't like Carrie that much, but he likes him when he's high. Everyone likes Carrie when he's high. (laughs) The best is Carrie's like, be serious, like, someone's life is at stake, this is very important. No, giggling in the corner. And, like, has the munchies. his own tie. Just stroking it very sensually for a long... Like, everyone is like, that's making me a little uncomfortable. (laughs) The Good Wife is just, like, it's a show that I expected to be really depressing and just, like, grown-up drama. And, you know, there wouldn't be any explosions, so I probably wouldn't be that interested in it. Probably muted colors. Yes. You, can, you can see why I like Hawaii Five-O, right? Like, bright colors, explosions. Not really grown-up people problems, despite grown-ups. Yes. Um, but no, The Good Wife wound up being a show that was not about any of the things that I thought it would be about. And wound up, like, really drawing me into legal cases. Like, yes, I wound up going to lunch with lawyers and being like, I have a couple of questions about the law. What would happen in this situation? And they would be like, where are you coming up with this? And I'm like, can you just answer the questions, please? I have some strong feelings about The Good Wife, and uh, you should watch it and then discuss it with me. No, I never tell lawyers to watch The Good Wife. I'm like, no, I just have some legal questions. Not based in reality, just in the American system. Can you tell me the following things? You realize that all of those lawyers think that you must have the most complicated, bizarro life of all time now. We have to end this. We have to. This is, like, the worst. (laughs) Really sorry to everyone who's listening to this. Sorry. All right, guys. We're wrapping it up for this week. Thanks for tuning in. Sorry again that you had to listen to that. (laughs) But um, catch us on the flip side. Because next week, no matter what the subject is, I will be having feelings with the entire internet about the series of House. Okay. MK can do to stop me. Fine. Save your feels. Yeah, I oh, I have so many. Don't worry. I, know. I can start talking now and it would go on forever. I know. Yes. Okay. We have to go. Yes. We have to go. We have to end this. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Corgi red dress in Paris. Happiest day of my life. You can get it like framed with like a little plaque that says happiest day of my life.